Nje ni ojo woni, mba ti iye awan mwen yin posi. Ikon sinu wa ni nwa awan eleni, si awan ebero. Ni tori ti anche ikbagwe awan wopo mwen, ni ikwe founi ojo jomon. Awan meji la si ikwe opolokon awan emwen josodo. Awan wikwe, koye ti awa ibafi, oron lorun sile. Ke a shi ma shi, yon shi tabili. Ni tori no, ara, e wokon imeje ni nou yi. O loru korere, e ni ti okon foun e mimi mo, a ti foun ogbon, e ni ti a waiba nyon si ishe yi. Shugbon, a wa oduro shi shi ni nou adura ikba, a ti ni nou ishe yro shen nou, oron nou. Arona si ilta lo ju bobo ijo. Wa si inyon Stefano. Okonre te a te okon foun ibagbo. Ati foun e mimimo. Ati Filipi. Ati Prokoro. Ati Nikanoro. Ati Timoni. Ati Parmena. Ati Nikola. Alawo she. Ju ara antioku. Eni ti wan moduro. Mi wadjo amon apostoli. Nikba ti, wan si ikba dura, wan fi yowo le wan. Oro loron si ikbile, iye a wan mo enye si ikbo sin kiti ni Jerusalemu. Okbo ni nou ekbe a wan alufa si ifeti si ikba gwanan. Good morning, everybody. Hello. Good morning. My name is Steve. For anyone who I've not met before, it's great to have you with us today here in the room and joining us online as well. And a special thank you there to Toby for reading um, us the word there in Yoruba. Thank you, Toby. Fantastic job. And I think we can all agree that she is just a little better than me at reading Yoruba. If you were here a few weeks ago, you'll know what I mean. Um, and also, apologies to Tyre at this point, because the other week I said it was uh, some misinformation from him. He was spot on with his information. Of course he was. So apologies, Tyre. I did get the Jesus bit right, though, didn't I? There we go. So there we go. Um, just before Toby read that passage for us, um, we were asking the question, who is your favorite sports person? So let's hear them. You saying Bolt, Michael? Really? Go on. We all want to know why. Yeah. You've met him. And what was his name? Henry Cooper. Daniel, you got one? The Rock. Fantastic. Fantastic. Excellent. Just shout them out. Let's hear them. Mohammed Sutton. Okay. That's a team. Yep. Why not, Ian? Yep. Sorry. What was that one? Nicola Adams. Ahmed Ali, fantastic. Any more for any more? I think I've seen Andy Murray online. Somebody said Andy Murray. Any more? Serena Williams. And what is her name? Emily Sims. Fantastic. Yeah, excellent. Lots of great answers there. Um, my answer, well, it's Mo, Mo Farah. I love Mo Farah. I think he's just retired, though. So, but he can still be my favorite sports person. Um, I wonder, who's ever heard of these names? Edvold Bossenhagen. 
Give us a hands up if you've heard of Edvold. No. Um, Bernard Isel. No. I love this name. Christian Knees. And it's spelled Christian and then like your knees. So clearly a prayer warrior. Um, Richie Port. Anybody heard of Richie Port? Michael Rogers. No, that's good. The illustration has worked. You weren't supposed to have heard of them. Um, I'll explain to you who they are in a moment. But um, we've been talking a little bit in this series about spiritual gifts. And I think I have a gift, a, a God-given gift, and I suspect I'm not on my own with this gift. And it's a gift that I don't think is talked about enough in church, which is that I am able to pretty much sit and watch any sport. Ooh, there's something going on with me here. Oh, yeah. No? Clearly, I'm not supposed to share this. But I, am, I feel like I have this like, God-given gift where I'm able to sit and watch pretty much any sport. Anybody else feel like God's given them that gift? You could just sit and watch sport on telly for a long time. Um, and, you know, there's kind of, there's some sports that I will tolerate, like the longer sort of sports. But a few years back, I got into watching something called tour cycling. And at its kind of pinnacle event, tour cycling, the Tour de France, that event lasts for 21 days. Now, I didn't watch it like every minute and every moment for 21 days. Um, I, I didn't do that. But back in 2012, I found myself glued to the Tour de France um, because it became like this kind of exciting event. We had the Olympics coming up. And uh, the, the thing is, though, there was one thing that really confused me, which is like, how could cycling be a team sport? Because surely it's just the first person to cross the finish line is the winner. And so I did a little bit of research into it. Now, a cycling team, just kind of, I appreciate for some of you when I asked that question about sports person, just like, I don't like sport. I couldn't care less. Hands up if that's you or give us a little. Okay, well, just like entertain me for a moment if you don't mind. Um, indulge me for a moment. But I did some research and what I found is that in um, cycling, there's eight riders. And in cycling, you end up with one lead rider, and then the other seven riders are known as domestiques. Just say domestiques. That's like beautiful French there that you've just spoken. And uh, the five men that I mentioned before, they uh, make up what is known on, and as Team Sky. So they are part of Team Sky. And this is Team Sky in 2012, along with, maybe you've heard of these names, Mark Cavendish, uh, Chris Froome and Bradley Wiggins. And Bradley Wiggins was the, the lead rider for Team Sky. Now, the other seven riders were what were known as the, team, the, the team's domestiques. Domestique is a French word for servant. And this is what domestique means, um, servant. This is the definition from cycling. It's to get the leader as far as possible, as fresh as possible. To get the leader as far as possible, as fresh as possible. And the, right, the, the role of a domestique in cycling is that they would bring water and food from the team car and they would shield teammates from opponents. They would give them a better slipstream. They would help them with um, mechanical disasters like punctures. Uh, and in extreme events, they would even give up their bike for the lead rider in order to finish the race. And I remember watching one race where that very thing happened and one of the domestiques in the team had to give up his bike and essentially give up his place in the race for the lead rider to go on and win and that was Bradley Wiggins. And so it's an incredibly sacrificial role in, in sport yet it's vital 
to the success of a sport like cycling. Now, let me ask this question. Who has ever heard of these names? Nikolaus, Parmenius, Timon, Nicanor, and Prochorus. Anybody heard of them? Some of you, it's kind of ringing a bell. And maybe you've ever heard of the other two support members in this team called Stephen and Philip. That one kind of, yeah, I see some of your faces switching on there. Some of you just still looking blank. That's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, they're in the story that Toby just read for us. Um, and this is a story that, as we look in our, our series, this story highlights to us some really important lessons about how a team can work in the church. We're in a series at the moment called Roots and Shoots. This is part seven. So if you're just joining us, let me explain. In this series, we're um, going back together into the book of Acts, and we're looking at the early church to see what we can learn from the roots of the early church and also believing for shoots of growth like the early church experienced. And so, so far in this series, we've seen a lot of good things happening. There's been unity in the church. They've been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. There's miracles taking place. And then there was this kind of a bit of a blip with a couple called Ananias and Sapphira. And you can hear all about that from Dyes Preach a couple of weeks ago. But all in all, the church is growing and God is on the move. But then we arrive here in Acts chapter 6. And we find that um, just like in every church across the globe, people aren't perfect and there's some conflict and tension that takes place. So let's just read through this passage again and we'll just pause after a couple of verses and just look at what's happening and what we can learn together from it. Acts chapter 6 verse 1 says, But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of the food. And we'll pause there. So here's what we see. We see that the early church has experienced this explosive growth. It says they rapidly multiplied. And here's what that looks like in numbers. They've gone from 120 people to over 5,000. And we, we don't know how many because it just says that there were 5,000 men. For some reason, they didn't record the women and the children. But that is like incredible growth from 120 to 5,000 in a short space of time. Now, in kind of biology, when it comes to growth, we can understand and expect with such growth, there'd be growing pains. You know, growing pains, like something that I'm sure I've heard other people experience um, but like growing pains come when there's growth. And what we see in the early church, <coughs> excuse me, what we see in the early church is that one of the growing pains for them is that there's this tension between two different ethnic groups in the church. In part three of our series, we looked together at how the early church had become this multi-ethnic church. And they experienced this amazing unity that crossed different divides. Now, the great thing about the book of Acts and Luke, who wrote Acts, is that this isn't Instagram. You know, Instagram, it has this amazing way of people just being able to kind of put out their highlights, right? 
Like all you see for some people is just the good things in life. But the great thing about Luke and the book of Acts is that we see the good, the bad and the ugly in the early church. And so what we see here is that there's these two groups, two groups within the church, two groups of Jesus followers, the Hebrew and the Greek speaking believers. And the complaint was that the Greek widows were being overlooked in how the food was being distributed and given out. You'll remember if you've been with us that in the early church, one of the fantastic things that was going on is that they would share everything that they had. There was this amazing generosity going. And part of this was that they had food distribution plans in order to help and support people like widows in the church who needed that support. But what we see here is that the Greek-speaking believers were being overlooked. It's a, a great reminder to us as a church, again, that God's heart for the church is to help and support the widows in their community. God's heart is that we as a church would help and support widows in our community. And what we see here in the church then is that when you combine these two things, you've got this rapid growth, but then also combine that with people's bias and people's prejudice, it meant that the Greek widows were being overlooked. It meant that the systems that they had in place weren't fair. And so here's what we see with how they dealt with this tension and this conflict. It says in verses 2 to verse 4, it says, So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, We apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers select seven men who are well respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Now, it's easy at first glance when we read this to think that the 12 disciples were being arrogant or even dismissive of being part of this food distribution program by saying that they didn't have time to run this program. But actually what we see is that they were being wise in their leadership. Because at this point, the 12 disciples, they were the 12 who had spent time with Jesus. They were the 12 who had witnessed his miracles. They were the 12 who had at this point the most wisdom and the most uh, gifting in order to pass that wisdom on to people. And so they recognized that actually there were people who would be better placed than them to run this food distribution program. It's essentially food bank in their community. People in their community were better placed with the right skills. And so our first lesson together today from the way that the early church dealt with this conflict is that a growing church listens to one another. A growing church listens to one another. We see that the apostles, the disciples, they listened. And that's a great reminder to any of us in our church community who are involved in any way in leadership. But we see that they didn't just listen, they proactively did something about the issue that had arisen from this explosive growth in the church. And listening to each other, it will require us to sometimes put our own preferences and our own agendas aside as we practice active listening. As we keep our ears open, just like the early church were here, to one another's struggles. And as we keep our ears open to the needs of our community. Now, one of the injustices 
that the team here in the early church needed to listen to was about the lack of representation and fairness in their community, which leads us to the second lesson that we see. A growing church represents one another. And I mentioned something about this a a few weeks ago, that the, the lack of diverse representation, specifically throughout leadership here at FCC, is something that we are conscious of and that we know that we need to work through and improve. And I said that we'll let you know more about that as and when we know, and we're still working towards that, but we feel like there might be a first step for us as a church to do something. And our plan is to put together a conversation space, a conversation space for people of all races and ethnicities within our church who represent different ethnicities and races within our church. And this conversation space will be a place to create conversations, and to make steps towards positive change in racial equality in all areas of life here at FCC. And so we're working on the the details of this, and we'll let you know more very soon, so keep an eye out on that. And if that's something that's piqued your interest, then feel free to speak to any of the, the lead team about that today. But we see that a growing church listens to and represents one another. And here's what happened as a result of the early church's action plan that they put in place here for the community, verses five to six. It says, everyone liked this idea. And they chose the following, Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon and Pumba, Parmenios, sorry, it's just hard not to, and Parmenios and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. These seven men, or, sorry, these seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. We'll just pause there. So what we see is that as a result of their action plan, seven Greek men were appointed to oversee the food distribution program. They fit the criteria. They represented the Greek community. They were people who were full of the spirit and people who were full of wisdom. And here's lesson number three. A growing church works with one another. A growing church works with one another. And we see this um, beautiful picture of teamwork in the church. And here's what it looks like when a church listens to, represents, and works with one another. We get verse seven of this story. It says, so God's message continued to spread and the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. And so we see that the early church, they dealt with this conflict in a healthy and proactive way. And the church continued to grow with people coming to know Jesus. And there's a a miracle that we can see in this verse. It says, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. That is an incredible thing that took place amongst the early church. Because the Jewish priests were people with a reputation. These were a group of people who, to follow Jesus, there was a cost. But they decided, they counted up the cost and they decided, no, it's worth it. I am going to follow Jesus. 
And in order to respond to the growing needs of the community, we see how the church had to learn to work together. They listened to one another. They had the right people in the right roles to represent the community that they were in. And they worked together. Some of them preached the word. Some of them ran a food distribution program. But in all of their different roles, they worked together. And it's something that we're passionate about here at FCC. Because it's outworked in so many different ways and so many different volunteers represented in our community that help our community. Whether that's making Sundays possible, like we gather together here on a Sunday, or the various things that take place throughout the week. And you know, we could not do it without you. And we are so incredibly grateful for your continued time and effort and energy and support that goes into everything that happens here. And we want to continue to build a team of volunteers, a team who can join in partnership with us with our vision as we seek to help our community to bring the love of Jesus to people in our community through many different expressions. And what is exciting is that over the last 12 to 18 months, like we've seen growth in our community as we begin and continue to reach out further into our community. But with that, as we see the same with the early church, comes growing pains. And with that comes the need to grow this incredible support team that we have here at FCC. And so Lois is going to come now and she's going to share about where some of those needs are at the moment in our community. Thanks, Lois. Let's hope this one works. Yay! Yeah, absolutely. Steve's so right um, that it, like everything that happens here just wouldn't be possible without the support team of volunteers that so many of you are a part of. And um, Steve mentioned then like part of the volunteering opportunities are about enabling Sundays to happen. But let me just tell you a few other things that volunteers here do. So volunteers um, enable us to broadcast online to people who can't make it into the building. And we are able to broadcast into hospital rooms and into other countries and into places where people are alone and isolated because of our tech team. Our volunteers provide children's and youth work, both on Sundays and throughout the week as well. We have volunteers who run regular activities and events. We have volunteers who open their homes for connect groups. We have volunteers um, like trustees who keep this place keep everything above board and keep it running safely and wisely and well. We've got people who go out into our community to serve and then we've got volunteers who will do tasks and things that nobody else will ever see and they'll probably never get a thank you for it, but they are volunteering their time week in and week out. So again, just to echo what Steve said, we want to say a massive thank you because it is so true that whether you volunteer at home online in this on a Sunday or on site here we would be lost without you um, so thank you and the great thing about volunteering is there is no age limit no upper or lower I think we've got like 13 year olds that serve on our tech team we've got young people on our band we've got people of all ages in all different roles so volunteering is for you no matter who you are um, and when it comes to volunteering often the question that we can ask is um, what do I want to do or what have I got time to do? But let me just challenge you to maybe flip the question 
and ask yourself, what has God blessed me with that I could bless others with? Because every good and perfect gift that we have and every skill that we have comes from God. So maybe you could just ask yourself, what has God given me that I could use to help my community? And maybe in this season, you've been blessed with the gift of time. Maybe you're in a season of unemployment or retirement and time is the gift that you have. Or maybe you've got technical skills and you understand cables and wires and buttons that I do not. Or maybe God has blessed you with a heart for the elderly or for tiny babies. Or maybe God has given you the ability to cook delicious meals or a heart for the Bible or a passion for prayer. Whatever it is, I wonder just as you, as you think about this today, just ask God, God, what have you given me that I could use to help others? Um, and we've got a few people that I'm going to invite on stage to help me now. So I'll, I'll go this way down, shall I? I just want to know, what team do you serve on? What's your role? What is the highlight of being on that team? So I serve on the tech team as one of the tech directors. My, hi um, my highlight really is just being able to, as Lois said, we live stream to people in different countries, in hospitals, and people who generally can't make it. And just knowing that is actually my highlight every Sunday. Fabulous. And what do you think is like a skill or a character trait that somebody needs to have if they're going to join the tech team? Really, anyone who's got time, who's curious. I know when I first started, it was just curiosity. It, like I started out as a camera operator. I just wanted to see it and wanted to see what it was like behind the scenes. So really, if you're curious, please join us. We'd love to have you. Absolutely. And we, we, you're right. We will train you. Someone will train you. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> um, Liam, oh, sorry. You are here to represent Connect Group Leaders. Can you tell us a little bit about what do you love about being a Connect Group Leader? Uh, just being able to open our home up for people that can't make it on a Sunday. Like I know a couple of people that come to our house can't always make it to church on a Sunday. So it's nice that like, if we're meeting on the Thursday, that they can have that little bit of fill-in. Yeah. So they're not going like every week without having some input with the yeah. church and that. It's just nice to be able to open our our house yeah. to that and you know, just be there for people. Yeah. It's like a little safe space. Yeah, great. And what do you think makes a good Connect Group leader? Just the conversation to have a talk, a talk and just be there for someone. Just listen. Yeah. You know, just if they've got something going on, just sit there and say, what's up? Yeah. Even have a cup of tea. Oh, yeah. yeah. You've got to be able to make a good brew. That's, yeah. It's the good only brew. qualification. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Liam. Um, right, Alyssa. Now, Alyssa's a bit complex because we actually need to introduce Alyssa to you. She's here to represent being on the FDY team, but Alyssa is also on placement with us for three years as part of her uni course, which means she's going to do everything, <laughs> absolutely everything um, imaginable. And we'll talk to you a little bit more about what that'll involve for Alyssa. But Alyssa, in terms of the youth team, what's your highlight and what do you think makes a good youth leader? Um, so my highlight is just being able to have the opportunity to help guide our younger people and provide that safe space for them to just come here, enjoy themselves and interact with other young people as well. Yeah, absolutely. What makes a good youth leader? Somebody who's able to give up just a couple Fridays a month um, and has a passion for just helping lead our people and just make them be able to have that place to come on a Friday and make them feel at home. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, Alyssa. Paul, Paul, you do a lot, Paul. So let's whittle it down to just the lunch club team. 
Um, could you tell us a little bit about a story from your lunch club serving duty? This is a different one. Oh. Okay. Uh -oh. It's important when you've been doing stuff for a while that you get some kind of hints as to why you should carry on because sometimes we just say, I'm not sure. Is, is it, am I the right fit? And God spoke to me very clearly about the significance of lunch club in that people come in, they're known to us, and we know them. And <clears throat> nice personal little story for me. Um, a little friend of ours from lunch club came into church recently, and we were in the sports hall with a mum, and because we're quite close, I just picked her up, and I said, it's really nice to see you here. Simple as that. And I was a bit surprised because she, she then leaned forward and kissed me on the cheek, which was a blessing in itself. But then I turned and a mum said to me very clearly and very simply, she knows you. And that, that's just, just massive. It spoke, really spoke to me about relationship and how important that is. She knows you. Dead simple phrase, but so significant. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. That blessed me. But it, yeah, I hope there's a blessing both ways in that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Thanks, Paul. John, hand to Simon. Simon's representing our FDK team, and he's a connect yes. group leader as well. So what's the best thing about being an FDK leader? Um, I think it's just an opportunity to, to be able to connect with the kids um, and kind of just show the kids how much Jesus loves us as adults, but also loves the kids as well. So, and have a great time, fun time, lovely time, awesome time. And the opportunity to be a kid again. <laughs> awesome. And if, if you could describe what a good FDK kids leader is, what would you say would you be? You've got to have buckets and buckets and buckets of patience. If you have that, you can join us. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Fabulous. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. And like I say, they just represent a much bigger team of people who do make volunteering happen. So let's just have a really quick look at what the volunteering opportunities are. So this is what Sundays look like. It takes all of these people to make a Sunday happen. So maybe you're looking at that. You could take a photo if you want to, to look at it later. You might be looking at that and thinking, I could maybe do that or express an interest in that, or I could find out a little bit more about that. So that's the team of people that make Sundays happen. But like we said, we don't just exist here on a Sunday. So this is the teams that make midweek events happen. So much from warm welcome to lunch club like Paul, to our safeguarding leads, to setup teams. And I just want to draw your attention to the bottom one there, community support. Because this is a brand new team that we are setting up here. And the community support team has been set up in response really to just rising needs in our community because we are getting more and more people who will send a message or call us and say, can you help? And the answer we really want to give them is yes, but we need your help to make that happen. Um, so the community support team is going to be made up of people who maybe you can deliver medication, maybe you can transport people to hospital appointments, maybe you could deliver food, so there's not a specific task. It's about people who are being willing to be in a group that says, I can help. And as a need arises, we'll put it in a WhatsApp group and you'll say, I'm free. I can help with that one. So that's what teams look like. 
And maybe you've seen some teams that you've never heard of before. Maybe you're like, I've served in about 24 of those teams. And you're thinking, I'm going to keep serving or I'm going to join another team as well. My heart and encouragement to you today is just to go away and ask yourself, what has God blessed me with that I could use to bless others? What is it that I could use to be a help in our community? And if you want to find out anything else about volunteering, you can either go to the connect point at the end or you can go to our website, boundary.community, and click volunteer where you can sign up there. But I pray that God will speak to you as you ask yourself those questions. He sometimes prompts us and lets us know where he wants to guide our movements and our steps. So I pray that he will speak to you today. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Goodness me. Don't you much for an applause nowadays, do you? Um, a quick show of hands. What's the time? Okay, quick show of hands. Who'd like to worship? That's enough for me. Come on, band. It's probably about time we drew this back to the Lord, isn't it? The band are going to come and we're going to close with a song that just declares, once again, like we did at the start, that God is who all this is for, who it's all about, is why we do it, it's why we get up, it's why we serve, he's why we volunteer, he's why we dig in, he's why we are here today, because he is our hope, he is our joy, he is our friend in times of trouble, when we don't want to give him our time and our energy, he is always there for us. He is our living hope. And so if you'd like to join us as we close our service by worshiping together, why don't you just stand to your feet as I wrap up in prayer? Yeah, God, thank you so much for so many different lives, homes and families represented here today. Thank you, God, that us being here today isn't a coincidence or an accident, but for some reason, You have drawn us together to hear this message, to listen to you, and to worship you. God, we thank you that you are our living, living hope. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen.